We are finishing up Matthew chapter 13, where uh, Jesus records, Matthew records several of Jesus' parables where he is teaching about the kingdom of God. I think it's important that we keep the focus is about the reason he's teaching these parables is because they are explaining how the kingdom of God, how the kingdom of heaven works. <clears throat> these parables, if you're not sure what a parable is, it's a fictional story that illustrates or teaches a lesson Okay, so this morning we are looking at one of my favorite parables. Uh, I like parables, they are just great teaching tools, but uh, one of these specifically this morning just is, I just, it's my favorite parable. Uh, and it's one of two that illustrates the sacrifice, my air quotes there, I want you to get that, the sacrifice that we make to follow Jesus. So I titled this this morning, what would you sacrifice for the kingdom of heaven? What would you sacrifice for the kingdom of heaven? I left two or three swallows of coffee left in my cup, so I'm going to drink coffee while you guys ponder what you would sacrifice for the kingdom of heaven. I just got the pinion. There was no regular while I was there. It's good. Are you thinking about it? What would you sacrifice? <clears throat> Don't anybody refill that. That would be bad. We often speak of giving our lives to Christ or giving our, ourselves to Jesus. And I'm not disagreeing that with that statement this morning. There is this perception of, of kind of a risk or there's a sacrifice in giving your life to Jesus. Just in that statement, you envision some sort of a sacrifice. This costs me. There is an implication that you are giving up something of value to gain something else of value. And you're hoping. There's an element of faith and hope. It's kind of like investing money. You put money in, in a, an investment and you're risking it. You may lose it. You may gain more. Who knows? But the reason you put it in there is because you're hoping that you're gaining. So whenever we give our lives to the kingdom of heaven, there is this idea or this feeling of risk and sacrifice. We're giving up something of value to gain something else of more value. So, so what would you sacrifice? What would you put at risk? How much are you willing to surrender for the kingdom of heaven? <clears throat> That's the question. We'll come back at that, to that at the end of service Actually, we're just not going to get away from it through the whole text this morning. So we're headed for Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, if you want to be turning in your Bibles. Number one in your bulletin notes, if you have your bulletin notes, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. This is the parable that puts into perspective the value you sacrifice, or you put at risk, for the value that you gain in the kingdom of heaven. Notice I said that uh, you will gain this value. You will not potentially gain it. I believe this to be an absolute truth. We give to the kingdom of God and we absolutely gain the kingdom of God. Here's why I believe that. Verse 44, uh, it's a parable, so you get to get your imagination going with this, okay? The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, I need you to get your brain all in the kingdom of heaven, not just the little kingdom of heaven. This is the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. You got your imagination going? Some of you I'm waiting on. You don't look like you have an imagination. 
in his excitement, that's an important part of this text, he's all excited, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. So, hopefully I read that slow enough you got your brain around what's happening. We, we do the math, do the math. The kingdom of heaven is a really great investment. The kingdom of heaven is a really great investment. I, so some of you are, you know, you're real investors and you are gonna say, well, Brent, you know, I can get, we're over 5% on a high yield CD right now. We can really, you know, great investment. No, 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 no. This is the kingdom of heaven. This is a much greater, much greater investment. Let's say, let's put this into your life into terms of your life. Let's say that you are walking around your neighborhood. You're wandering around your neighborhood. Obviously, you're not exercising. You're just wandering around. You notice there's a lot for sale. So you, you get off of the sidewalk and you wander around this dirt lot, right? You're just wandering around. It has a nice view of the, you know, the valley or shiprock or the mountains or something beautiful. And it's big enough that you have some room that you, if you were to build a house on this lot, your neighbors wouldn't be looking out their window into your window, right? We lived on a big lot out on Crouch Mesa years ago, and then we got this big idea we're going to move back into town because we wanted to live back in town. So we moved into the Valley Grand, uh, and, and the first night we were in our house was during the summertime. Windows are open, you know, running the swamp cooler, and the neighbor's windows are open, and they're running a swamp cooler. And we heard their whole conversation. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us. So you're on this lot, and it's big enough. You're like, yeah, this is really, really nice. And you're walking around the property, and you stumble over what you think is a rock. And so you turn around, and you look down, and you notice that there's this some sort of something jutting out of the ground that you tripped on. And you notice it has an odd color. So you brush away the dirt, and, and you brush away some of the gravel, and it gets a little deeper and there is no question in your mind that this is not a rock. It's a chunk of gold as big as your head. Some of you, that's really big. <laughs> you, my son says big heads run in the hidden family. So now you're a little excited, right? There's this chunk of obviously it's gold. And so you start digging away a little more because you thought, well, maybe I can find the bottom of it. But you brush the dirt, you dig the loose dirt away, and you can't get to the bottom of it. This is a huge piece of gold. So being a good Christian, you're not going to try to steal it. I know some of you are thinking. So you call the realtor. And you ask the price of this lot. It has a realtor sign on it. So you just call them up and say, hey, I'm looking at this lot. And they say they want a hundred grand for a, a lot of dirt. The double entendre there. Did you get that? Just dirt. It's a hundred thousand dollars for dirt? Are you serious? That is, you know that this lot you know that that is way over market value. That is not, that is too much to pay for a lot. But you know that on this lot, hidden in the dirt, is a treasure that may be worth two or three million dollars, maybe more. We just don't know because we can't see all that's under the ground, but we know there's this huge gold nugget 
So do you pursue buying the lot? I mean, it's overpriced. I know some of you are just like, oh, no. <laughs> ah. Would you buy the lot for 100000 Would you buy the lot for two or 300000 if you knew there was a $2 million gold nugget hidden in the dirt on that lot? Some of you is pretty clear. I have to explain this to the rest of them, Larry. <clears throat> Uh, if you've ever wanted to buy a lot, you know that the bank doesn't really like to loan on bare dirt. So if you're going to just buy the lot, you're going to you're gonna have to gather all of your possessions up and you're going to have to do a fire sale. You're going to have to sell your house as fast. You don't want somebody else to trip over the same gold nugget you did. So you need to be quick about this. So we need to fire sell the house. We need to sell the car or the cars or whatever. We need to sell the furniture. We need to sell the kids Clothing, <laughs> gotcha, sucker. <laughs> Will you do whatever to gather the cash so that you can buy the lot? Would you do it? Would you sell everything you own on this little blue planet to buy an overpriced lot? Would you be willing to fire sell at a discount your possessions to get this what seems to be overpriced lot of dirt. Well, of course, you, you sell everything you have on this earth so that you can buy that lot, so that you can take possession of this multi-million dollar treasure that is hidden in that lot. You would be a lazy, dumb bum if you didn't. For those of you that are struggling with the conundrum there, you're all, yeah, but it's overpriced. Why would you pay too much for it? <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is like that hidden treasure. You sacrifice all that you have, relatively little value, to gain all that God has, which is of infinite value. It's a good deal. I like some of you are having to think about it. But you still paid too much for the lot. <laughs> I know you're thinking this way because that is exactly how it is when we come to the kingdom of heaven. Brent says we should, we, we sing I surrender all and Brent says we should give it all to Jesus. I don't know if that's a good deal yet. Now, that's my favorite, that's my favorite of all the parables, that's my favorite, because it's simple and it's profound. But to drive the point home, Jesus tells the same, or a similar parable, okay, verse 45. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. He's a merchant, so he goes to the guys who are finding all these pearls, and he looks at all of them, and he's appraising each one. He's figuring out, you know, they're asking X amount of dollars for these pearls, and he's looking at them to see how much they're really worth and how much he can sell them for. Does that make sense? So he's the merchant. So he's buying them from the wholesaler, and then he's going he's gonna to pass them on. He's going to look at them and see if they're, if they're valuable or not. So kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. Pearls. He's not buying junk pearls. He's buying the really nice ones, okay? When he discovered a pearl of great value, here's what he did. He sold everything he owned and he bought it 
Why? Because it had great value. The math is very simple. You give up or you sacrifice the little bit that you do have to obtain what you could never otherwise possess. The kingdom of heaven is like that. You give all you have to God, and in return, he gives you all that he has. You okay? You give up you give up the things of this life, frustration and misery for peace and joy. You give up this physical body which by the way is breaking down in case you haven't noticed that in your own body. Don't look at me like that. You give up this physical body for a glorious body. You give up this temporal life for eternal life. Sweetheart, that's a good deal. Very good deal. What would you sacrifice? What would you give up to gain the kingdom of heaven? Do you possess something of equal value? No, you don't. Trust me, you don't. If you, let's say that you did possess the entire world, you possess the entire world. Throughout history, we've seen men who were out to conquer the world because they saw that as the greatest of value. Let's say that you did conquer the whole world and you're president of earth. <laughs> Would you sacrifice all of that? That would be a lot to gain the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. I mean, y'all are having to think about that. What have you got that seems more valuable than the treasure that God has prepared for you? What do you have that you would rather keep, that you'd rather hang on to? than to gain the kingdom of heaven. There are a few things that I hold precious in this world. My poor wife, she's, uh, I hold her precious. Uh, what I was gonna say is um, <laughs> she has to live with me and it's kind of like we haven't used this in a week so we need to throw this away. But nobody else is like that or live with someone like that. Yeah, let's not clutter. Let's just chunk it, toss it, get rid of it. There's a few things that I hold close but not very many things. It just doesn't make sense. It, uh, if you think that keeping your car or your house as opposed to trading them for a multi-million dollar gold nugget, if you, I don't know if I said that correctly, if you think keeping your car and your house as opposed to trading them for a million, multi-million dollar gold nugget, I would not want you to be my financial advisor. I like a little financial risk. Let's see what happens. I just scared some of you. What does he do with the offering? We don't know. <laughs> my father-in-law used to, when we first started the church, he would always ask me, we would be gathering up stuff. Long story, I'll make it shorter. Uh, we'd be gathering up stuff at the end of service and we didn't have a building and so the offering box went home with us and we would count it and put it in, in the bank. And uh, he would always see us gathering up. He would say, are you taking that to the, to the casino so that you can double it? <laughs> no, we, we never did that. 
in case you're wondering. No, but I do like risk. The difference between these parables and do you remember the game show? I don't know if it's still on. You probably watched the reruns. Remember Deal or No Deal? That was a fun show. It was fun because you don't know what's in the box. Are you risking what you have, which may be a little bit, may be a lot. We don't know in relation to what you might get, but we don't know what's in the box. So the difference between these parables and the game show, deal or no deal, is that God tells us what is in the box. There's no mystery. There is no surprise. Are you with me? We know exactly what we are giving up, and we know exactly what we would gain. Isn't that brilliant? Yet, we still come to the kingdom of God and go, hmm, I'm not sure if this is a good deal. Well, Brent, if I give my life to Jesus, then I'd have to do what God wants me to do instead of all the things that I want to do. And I'm getting my, ahead of myself in Matthew, but looking forward to Matthew 16. This just fits so tightly together. I'm not going to let it go. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus says to his disciples, read this carefully. If any of you wants to be my follower, if you want to follow Jesus, if you want to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, here's what it's going to cost you. You must give up your own way. Take up your cross. There's the sacrifice element. And you must follow me. You must live in obedience to him. Now, here's the wisdom, okay? Verse 25. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. Did you catch that? I mean, you can either give up your life and gain the kingdom of heaven, or you can hold on to your life and lose it anyway. So where, where's the risk? Risk. The risk is not giving it up to Jesus. I am getting ahead of myself. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Some of us want to follow Jesus as long as, we'll follow Jesus as long as we approve of what it is costing us and where he is leading, right? As long as it doesn't cost too much, I'm following Jesus. But whenever he wants to take my, my BMW convertible away from me, oh, wait a second, I'm fine with following him until it costs too much or something specific. Or he's leading somewhere that I don't really want to go. When Jesus starts toward the sacrifice of the cross, we see some of the followers start to dwindle away, right? I will follow Jesus as long as I'm living the blessed life. But whenever it starts to be a sacrifice of my time, talent, treasure, my desires, what I want to do, I have to give up what I want in order to follow Christ. Let's backpedal here a little bit. I will follow Jesus as long as it doesn't cost me too much. I would like to use my time. I would like to use my talents and my treasure for myself to do the things that I want to do. I'm not just going to live this life just for the glory of God. I like the glory of Brent a little bit. Are you following me? So how much is too much? How much is too much? Would you sacrifice 
all you have in this world to gain the kingdom of heaven? It's not, it's not that Jesus is asking you to sacrifice it all. Let that hang there for a second. It's not that Jesus is asking you to sacrifice it all. All you have and all you are in exchange for the treasure of the kingdom of heaven, that is the deal that is on the table. That is what is set before us in these two parables. Here's the deal. Your sorry life for the kingdom of heaven, that's the deal. I'm not asking you to take it. I'm saying that's the deal. Are you going to grab it or not? See, whenever I, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, what moron would not be climbing across the table to grab that deal? You okay? Did he just call somebody a moron? I know, it's not really fair for me to be so judgmental, uh, but let me give you a little bit of perspective. I've lived in Christianity all of my life. I was born into church, a preacher's kid. I have been a Christian for several months now. <laughs> I think a long time. So from the perspective of one who has made the leap, so to speak, I look back and I think, this is a no-brainer. You would be stupid to not grab this deal as fast as you can. I kind of get the hesitation of giving up all you have, even if, if all you have is very little or, or if you have a lot. It's, it's what you have is what you have. So I'm not saying that it, that it makes sense. It, it doesn't. I just recognize that there is an illogical, I'm, I'm being offensive in case you were being curious. I'm trying to be offensive. There is an illogical emotional attachment, attachment to what is yours. It's illogical. It makes no sense. This is mine though, Brent. Why would I give this up for the kingdom of heaven? This is mine because what you have is no good. That's why. That's why. What you have stinks. Keep your trash instead of trading in for God's treasure just seems like a really bad idea to me. It seems like nonsense. I like the way you're looking at me. I like how quiet the room got. It's going to get better, though, I promise. So these two parables, they, have, uh, they only illustrate the positive side of the kingdom of heaven, the value to be gained. Watch this. Number two, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net. Oh, we're going to talk about some fishing now. <clears throat> Verse 47, he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. Yes. And when the net was full, they dragged it up on the shore, sat down, and sorted the good fish into crates, but threw the bad ones away. So that's the parable part, and now Jesus is going to give the explanation of the parable in verse 49. That is the way it will be at the end of the world. <clears throat> he did this in previous text. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous. 
Okay, working off of the illustration, the parable of the net comes up, they take the good fish out, put them in crates, take the bad fish out, uh, and throw them away. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You may remember that from last week. And then verse 51, he says, this is important, do you understand these things? Yes, they said. We do. Now, the parable of the wheat and the weeds from last week was very similar. The angels came and they separated the grain from the weeds. They bound the weeds up. They threw them into the fiery furnace and burned them up. You may remember that. Jesus' illustration, uh, Jesus is illustrating again this idea that at the end of the world, his angels will come and separate the righteous from the wicked, and the wicked will be thrown into the fiery furnace, not a figure figurative furnace, but a fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hell is real. It is not figurative. Now, I'm hoping that you are seeing in the contrast, I hope that you're seeing the contrast of these parables. You can surrender your life, your entire life to God and gain the treasure of the kingdom of heaven. You can gain forgiveness, righteousness, and eternal life, and on and on and on, the presence of God, on and on and on. Or you can hold on to your life, which chapter 16 tells us you're going to lose it anyway, and then this last parable tells us you will get cold out of God's net. You can live on your own, independent, self-willed, and proud and the angels will separate you from the righteous and throw you into the fiery furnace. That's the parable. You can give it all up for the kingdom of heaven or you can keep it all. You'll get cold and thrown into the fiery furnace. And then Jesus says in this, he asks, do you understand all these things? He's talking to his disciples. Do you understand all these things? Now, uh, there's so many times in, in narratives in scripture that I wish we could be there to see what is emotionally happening because, I mean, all these stories are very emotional, I think. So I wish that I could see the expression on Jesus' face at the moment that he asked this question because he's speaking to his disciples people that he has spent a lot of time with, he's close to, he genuinely loves these people. I would imagine there's a little anxiety in him when he says, he's explained the kingdom of heaven, it's, it's wonderful treasure, unless you don't sacrifice all, and then it's, and then it's fiery furnace. Uh, he says, do you, to the people he loves, he says, do you understand all these things? Do you understand? In the, in the previous text, he said things like, do you have ears to hear? Do you have eyes to see? Please, do you have hearts that understand what I'm telling you? Because I want you to understand these things. I want you to understand the treasure of the kingdom of heaven. And I want you to understand the damnation of a fiery furnace. Do you understand these things? To give all you have is 
to gain the kingdom of heaven, but to not give all you have is to be separated and thrown into hell where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I know I'm repeating myself from last week, but it's worth saying this again. We are in the exclamation, explanation part of the parable where uh, he says that there's a fiery furnace. We are not in the figurative part. We are in the literal part of the parable, of the explanation. Je- God's judgment is real. It is real. The fiery furnace is real. Hell is real. This is not just oh, we'll just do our best and kind of get through it or we'll give a little bit and trust God to make up the rest. No, the illustration is that we give all that we have, all that we possess, all that we are and surrender ourselves to the kingdom of heaven so that we gain the kingdom of heaven, not give a little bit and then just hope that we make it. No, 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 no. No, it's not the parable. Do you understand these things? Number three, hope. The kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner. Stay with me here. This is, this is cool. I think this is brilliant. I think scripture is brilliant, by the way. The kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner. Verse 52, then he added, <clears throat> watch, watch who he's talking about here. Every teacher of religious law, so uh, picture this, every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple, every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple in the kingdom of heaven. So, So we have Jews who become disciples of Christ, okay? So every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings from his storeroom new gems of truth as well as old. Now, I genuinely think that Jesus, uh, this is Jesus' compassionate appeal to the Jewish leaders. They're always coming after him. They're always wanting to catch him, trip him up, cause problems, but I, I believe that he is compassionate. He wants them to He wants them to surrender all and become a part of the kingdom of God. So he specifically mentions here, he says, every teacher of religious law. Some other translations say every scribe. Okay, so these are like the the church lawyers, right? They know the Old Testament law, the Jewish law. So every teacher of the religious law, every scribe, Jesus is appealing directly to the Jewish leaders, those who knew and taught the Jewish laws and customs. These are the men who are, their background is Jewish history, Jewish law, the Old Testament, the prophets, the law of Moses. These are knowledgeable men, okay? All the Old Testament good stuff. The illustration of the homeowner is a little bit cultural, because you got to think big family. I didn't understand big family until I married into a big family. But if you go to Christmas or a birthday and you don't know everybody's names, that's a big family. If you know everybody's names and if you think you have a big family who can sit around your gigantic table of eight, you're wrong. You don't have a big family. Big family is where people are sitting at the dining room. They're sitting in the living room on the couches. They're sitting around the countertops in the kitchen. Um, the kids are making the beds a table. That's a big family, okay? You got that. 
Big family, big Jewish family. Get together, parties, lots of people, music, good friends, good family. Everybody's together having a nice time. But then the homeowner, right, the host, he comes from his back room where the kids are not allowed to play, okay? He comes out of the storeroom and he has something really special. Uh, the parable doesn't tell us what it is, and uh, so we have to speculate a little bit to make it work in our imagination. I'm not a wine drinker. I tried, but it tastes like asphalt, so <laughs> I just never, never enjoyed it. I had a hankering to drink some wine. I just go out here in the parking lot and lick it, and uh, <laughs> then I go get a Dr. Pepper. Hallelujah. <laughs> So, so I imagine this as he comes out with this bottle of very fine wine that everybody would understand is wonderful, or, or more to near and dear to my heart, he comes out with this round of cheese. Oh, just have a moment. I'm there with you, Lord. I'm with you. Come on. Big round of cheese that's Parmesan or whatever. I don't know. It doesn't really doesn't matter to me. I mean, I just love cheese as long as it doesn't stink too bad. Something really special, something that only, <clears throat> listen to this, only the patriarch of the family would have, right? Because, you know, when you're young, you buy dumb things like tires for your truck. Just because, not that your tires are bad, you just want bigger tires. And now you know what I want for Christmas. <clears throat> Just want your tires bigger, that's all. But when you get older, you buy fine things, right? Nice things, things that, things that are actually have some value. Like you might buy a piece of art that is wonderful as opposed to tires that just wear out. You understand. The, something, this, the patriarch comes out, the homeowner comes out with something that would require wealth and experience, some class to possess, something that would be desirable to everyone, out of reach just by money. It's something that, man, this is, it took some work to get this. It took some knowledge. It took some connections. This is really cool because you're not just going to go to anybody's house and them share their cheese with you. <laughs> not at my house. We hide our cheese. <laughs> The homeowner comes out with whatever it is that is so special, and everyone in the house, they're ooing and aahing. Wow, he's going to share with us. How special is that? If a scribe, if the Jewish scribe, the Jewish lawyer, religious leader, becomes a disciple of Christ, if a teacher of Jewish law becomes a follower of Jesus in the kingdom of heaven, that person is like a homeowner who brings his storeroom, his wealth of knowledge and experience from the Jewish law and traditions. He brings new gems as well as old gems of truth and wisdom. You see what happened there? This person has the advantage of seeing the kingdom of heaven from the perspective of the old Jewish law and prophets. And now, in addition to all the old Jewish law and prophets, in addition to all of that, now he has the perspective of the present gospel message of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is both old and new. It is both simple 
and profound. It is both rich, invaluable, and it is free because we're in his house. He's the owner of the house. He invited us to his party and he takes what is valuable, like ancient valuable, and he puts it in the middle of the table and he cuts it up into enough pieces for everybody in the house, even the little kids, and he shares it. This is precisely why the Old Testament is still important to New Testament believers. There are some old gems, maybe some gold nuggets that are buried in the Old Testament that point to the new gems or the new gold nuggets in the New Testament. The gospel message in the kingdom of heaven do not happen in a vacuum in, in Matthew's gospel. It doesn't just happen. We don't, we don't just poof and there's Jesus the Messiah on the scene. No, it is by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God has been writing this story from before Genesis 1.1. Isn't that cool? From Noah's obedience to build the ark, to Abraham leaving his land and his family to go to the land God promised, God has been drawing us a map to this treasure. It is old and it is new. It is hidden and it is buried. But to those who have ears to hear and hearts to understand. Do you understand the kingdom of heaven is revealed to us? All right. I'll get back to being Pastor Britt. Y'all should hang out in my office while I study. I really misbehave in there. That's us. That's us. That's us. What would you sacrifice for the kingdom of heaven? Would you give up? Would you give up some of your time? Would you dedicate? Watch out, Brent. Would you dedicate all of your time to the kingdom of heaven? No matter what it is you are doing, you would do it in a way that honors anything you are doing, all of your actions you would do in a way that would honor the Lord Jesus Christ? Would you give up some of your money? You already know where I'm going with this, don't you? We're fixing to take up a building offering. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Would you dedicate all of your money? Well, Brent, you know, the Old Testament is 10%, but we're not under the law anymore, so I don't, don't even need to give that anymore. I'm not asking for 10%. I'm asking for all of your money. Would you dedicate all of your money so that all that you do, every purchase you make, honors God instead of serving your own desires? I think the grand question is, would you give your life that you have presently, would you give it all to become a part of the kingdom of heaven, to become a part of the family of God? Because I don't know if you would or not, but I know this, Jesus did. Jesus gave his life 
Not, to, not so that he would gain the kingdom of heaven. He already has the kingdom of heaven. Jesus gave his life so that you could become part of the kingdom of heaven. So the, part of the question is, would you give your life Would you follow Jesus in giving your life so that you could gain the kingdom of heaven? Because Jesus has already sacrificed all of heaven. He's already sacrificed his own life so that you can become part of the kingdom of heaven. Will you sacrifice all you have on this earth, even your life, to take hold of the treasure of the kingdom of heaven?